Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra with me, Tom Harrison. And as ever, we've got a big topic, we've got a player of the week, and we've got some questions to answer. So let's crack on with the show. Now in recent weeks, my big topic has been something pretty kind of big, (laughs) to be honest. Some quite large um, topic that I've you know, discussed and used examples to talk about. This week we're going to hone in a little bit closer, but I'm still going to link it to a larger concept. So I'm just going to talk about the Clásico Tapatio and mainly where the game was won and lost. And from there I'm going to allude to, I guess, how you know a combination of factors can lead to um, a game being won and lost, but also the challenge for me and for all journalists, analysts, um, scouts as well, when you don't have complete information. So I'll get to that in a minute. But the Tapatio itself was, I think, a fantastic atmosphere. Um, I was sitting um, watching, I had half my screen, I had the Pachuca Tigres game and half my screen I had Atlas Chivas and just as they were kicking off you had incredible atmospheres of both games to be honest you know the Hidalgo was sold out uh, Pachuca I, I think Pachuca had uh, like a TIFO at the start of the game as well if I'm not mistaken obviously the atmosphere at the Jalisco was amazing and I remember just sitting there and just thinking this is a, this is the advert for Liga MX right here, and you don't need you know sometimes the a picture can tell a thousand words sort of thing you know it's, it's simple is better, and I thought to myself you know you do, all this marketing social media stuff etc would be great and I'm totally in agreement with people who are like why is there no English language coverage of Liga MX but. All that stuff sometimes can be a bit derided. And, you know, I think a lot of people in Europe and in Mexico as well, or Mexicans in America, look at the like MLS tweets and they find it funny and they laugh at it because it's trying so hard to sound impressive. And it often just isn't, and it's kind of funny. And here you had something that was as simple as... Th- that's it. That's the league right there. You've got two packs. I mean, obviously, this is an extreme of the league. This isn't always the case. But here it is. On a good day, you can get two packed-out stadiums, electric atmospheres, teams full of talent, exciting games to come. Go. You know, play. And they were actually a little bit disappointing, I think, the games themselves, uh, particularly for Chuka Tigres. And I guess kind of the second half of the Tapatio, it fizzled out a lot. Which probably credit Chivas for for doing that for kind of killing off the Atlas charge, but they were still good games and great atmospheres. And I think if you'd shown, you know, if you can show that to people, I think a lot of people would be surprised by how good the games were, how much, how good the atmospheres were. Just to add to that quickly, I know I'm going on a sidetrack already, but. Um, the average attendance this week was over 30,000, which is incredible, incredible. Anyway, um, let's 
get back on topic, <laughs> Tapatio. So the game was won in the first half for Chivas. And the Chivas first half was absolutely amazing. I mean, they were, they were rampant. <laughs> they just kept coming and coming, creating chances. They scored two, both actually from errors in the end. You know, one was the penalty, one was a horrendous, a disastrous goal kick from Oscar Ustadi. But they could have scored more from open play, from chances they created. They were fantastic in the first half. And Atlas were terrible. And I want to, you know, delve a bit deeper. Why were Chivas um, fantastic? Why were Atlas um, terrible? And this is kind of the basics of, if you want to know more about me, how I work, how I do my stuff, both in terms of when I coach, when I write stuff. My, my, my basic kind of principle that guides me is is the question why so you know why is why why did this happen um why in this case why did Chivas dominate why were Atlas terrible why did Chivas in particular after so many games of seeing them being unable to find space in the final third why did they suddenly have so much space in the final third on Saturday very interesting and very difficult question to ask. Here's some of my theories. So on the Chivas side, the big thing they did was a late change to the team. And before the game, when you looked at the lineups, um, it was the the usual team they've had for this Clausura. So it was Polito up front, it was Saldiva on the left. And, you know, the rest of the team stayed the same. But, <coughs> sorry, before the game, um, well, when when the game started, it was, became clear that Polito was on the bench. And Brithuela got the start. So it meant that Zaldivar went back up front, favourite position, more comfortable there. And Brithuela played on the left. Now, Brithuela's never really played on the left before. And I was talking um, a few weeks ago to the stray goat about this. And he was saying, Zaldivar's not working on the left. It's clear to see, stop playing on the left. And he was saying, we, we missed Cisneros. I want Cisneros back. And I was saying, well, why not play Brithuela? You've got this fantastic winger on the bench. And no, he doesn't. He's never really played there before. But why can't he play there? And Strain was unsure about whether he'd be comfortable cutting in on his right foot. Um, I think we saw that he was pretty comfortable on, on Saturday. He was able to cause a lot of problems for Jose Madueña when cutting into his right foot. I know a lot of his shots were wayward when he did get a little bit of space. I think, you know, two or three shots, he kind of blazed high and wide. But the fact that he was getting into those shooting opportunities was very promising. So, you know, Cisneros is very similar. He's he's a right-footed guy, plays on the left. Um, I don't think he's as good as Brithwaila, to be honest. I think he's more used to and more comfortable at cutting in on his right foot, I think he's got a better shot, which I guess is a big consideration when you think about having an inverted winger. But Brithwela has more tricks up his sleeve for me. He's a better dribbler. And so I prefer Brithwela personally, but I guess I, I can see the argument for, for Cisneros, but either way, they're certainly better than Zaldiva. And speaking of Zaldiva, he was fantastic back up front. And Zaldivar's best asset is the ability to link up play. He's not a striker that's going to get you tons of goals. He's not super quick. He's not 
fantastic in the air, but he's clever, and his as a focal point of the attack, he does a fantastic job. And he did this on on uh, Saturday. He was just linking up the play for them all the time, and did much better th- than Polito's done. And Polito, to his credit, but perhaps also to criticise him. He's been working really, really hard for Chivas, and perhaps this is a result of, I've got such a big price tag hanging over my shoulder, I need to prove myself, I need to put in the effort. And I feel that sometimes this negatively impacts his game, because Polito is a poacher. He's not a great all-round striker. And when he's pulling deep, making runs wide into the channels, I feel like he's wasting some of his best talents which should kind of be you're a poacher you know we've got Pizarro or Berlin Brithuela Choffis we've got creative players get in the box we'll get chances for you and I feel like Polito sometimes will be better served doing this rather than you know doing all this hard work which is it's great and you've got to credit him for doing this hard work but I'm not sure it's the smartest move for him and in the end, it's it's costing him. He's out of the team. Will he get back into the team now? Because this was by far the best attacking Chivas performance in a long, long time. Having Zaldivar in the middle to link up the play, having the balance of two proper wingers out wide, and then, you know, um, Rodolfo Pizarro and Orbelin Pineda, fantastic. They're growing into that you know, central role together. Um, you know, they're only going to get better as, as the weeks go on. So, is is Pelito going to get back into the Chivas team? I don't know right now. I think Almeida's got to look at that and say, this was our best attacking performance in a long time. Got to stick with with that lineup. But to counter that, let's look at Atlas. Because like I said, with using this Tapatio example, um, I want to yeah explain how the, it's a combination of factors. So it's not purely... Chivas played a slightly different team and played a lot better. They were helped a lot by an Atlas side that were terrible in the first half. Defensively, they were all over the place. And they just, you know, Chivas had a lot of space. Why did they have a lot of space? Well, one of the main reasons is Atlas gave them a lot of space. Now I have three theories for why they had so much space and why they were so poor. Firstly, they were missing Rafa Marquez. Now, Rafa is 10 years past his best, (laughs) at least. But he still is obviously a quality player. Uh, I I don't think he should be in the Mexico squad, but he is. So it shows he has something about him. Particularly has the ability to lead. And that's a a huge um, factor. And it's something that was missing, I think, was missing from the Atlas team on Saturday. And if I'm not mistaken, Ustari was the captain and you know clearly he didn't lead by the by example with that disastrous goal kick. Another theory I have is about um, the tactic. You know they like at uh, the Profe Cruz, they like to play a 4-4-2. Uh, and it's kind of a it's a 4-4-2 but it's kind of um a 4-2-2-2 in the sense that they normally have two sitting midfielders you know, holders in the midfield and then the wingers 
have that license to push and then they've got two up front and often the two up front is is really an, a nine and a ten you know often it's like feeder it wasn't on saturday they played bad again and um and Alustisa, but often it's been Fidel Martinez, who's you know not an out and out striker, he's someone who's going to pull pull off and try and get into pockets of space playing that number ten role. But it's normally a pretty attacking system, even though they have the holders um, in the midfield. But if if those holders push forward a bit, it's it's a very attacking system. And perhaps that was what they did wrong. Perhaps the tactic was too attacking. Perhaps Cruz. You know, really wanted to impress his fans and go for the win in such a big game, and maybe it backfired. The final theory is maybe the team, and this links to the fact that Rafa wasn't there, maybe the team got carried away with the atmosphere. It's easily done. The atmosphere was, as I said, amazing, and it. There's no doubt that for the majority of players, and, I, and I've heard about some players that say when they play the game is silent you know they're so in the zone that they don't notice the crowd but most players I've heard speaking about crowds do acknowledge the fact that it influences them and it influences their performance and the atmosphere was so good on Saturday and there's no doubt that for the majority of players it would get you hyped up it would get you pumped for the game this isn't always a good thing you know, football is, is a game where you've got to be so switched on. It's a game you play with your head more than anything else. And you've got to concentrate for 90 plus minutes. Having too much adrenaline, being too excited can lead to lapses in concentration. Perhaps this is what Atlas did. Perhaps they got so excited that every time they had the ball, they think, "Here's our chance. Let's let's you know push forward. Let's get this goal. The crowd's going to go crazy if we score." Ah, we've lost it, and now I've lost my position, and we're out of shape, and they've got space to 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 move into, and you know, Chivas exploited that space. So, three theories to why you know Rafa missing, tactic being too attacking, or just being overexcited by the occasion. The likelihood is there's probably a combination of these three, but this is where I was saying about how um, this game can allude to the difficulties of being an analyst and of being a journalist that wants to come up with reasons why teams won and why teams lost and why teams play a certain way. The challenge is, I don't have complete information. So I can watch the games with my eyes, I can look at stats, and the the level of stats we're getting for Liga MX now is increasing, which is great. It's a lot more than we used to have, particularly um, the stuff that SofaScore are doing, I really like. They do some fantastic stats for games. Um, the record website is really good because you get to see heat maps you get to see average player position maps and they're really really useful for me so a little shout out there to you guys um and so i do have some information but what i don't know is what did profit Cruz say before the game i don't have a clue what his actual tactic was i can try and work out from what i see and this is what i always try and do but i don't know for sure so I don't know if his tactic was too attacking 
or if the team was too attacking because they got caught up with the occasion. And I don't know if that's linked in with the absence of Rafa Marquez. So I can speculate. And I can say that the most likely thing is a combination of the three, or two of the three. It's probably not one reason that's led to some, this, you know, terrible, terrible first half performance. But it could be, I don't know. So there's a little, um, yeah, a little example to you guys of, of how difficult it is. And this is not just difficult for me as a journalist, it's difficult for scouts and scouts whose careers depend upon being able to analyse teams effectively so that their team's head coach can plan accordingly in the future for future games. So it's very difficult, difficult jobs. And um, I mean, I love it, so <laughs> I'm not going to complain, but it, it, yeah, that's an example for you of how it can be really challenging. And also, yeah, the, the Tapatio shows how that kind of combination of factors, likely a combination of factors, from Chivas's lineup change to, to the three things I spoke about with Atlas, led to Chivas having too much space in the first half. They were absolutely dominant and ran up a two-goal lead, were able to see out the game. So, congratulations to them and to Chivas fans. All right, let's move on. And the player of the week this week is a goalkeeper. It's something I haven't done before. Uh, it was a decision between two goalkeepers, actually. Because, um, you know, honourable mention to Meliton Hernandez, who was very, very good against uh, Toluca, but did lose the game um, in the end. Even though he made, I think, like three or four one-on-one saves from Fernando Uribe. It was ridiculous. But my player of the week is Carlos Felipe Rodriguez. And Felipe Rodriguez was absolutely vital for Morelia in a game they had to win. They'd slipped right back in the relegation standings. And they got rid of Marini. Yeah, I mean, maybe a bit harsh. He'd only had a few weeks in charge, really. But... Marini's track record isn't great. He's now managed three of the four teams in the the bottom of the relegation table. And he's never lasted more than a year at any of the I think, eight clubs, nine clubs he's managed now. It's not great. Not a great record. But anyway, Morelia went to Chiapas, pretty much had to win. Because Veracruz, Chiapas have had such a great start to the season... Puebla have slipped back a bit and have, have now pretty much become involved in the relegation battle. They're the, they're the only team in the league not to win yet this season. But Morelia have, have to win to keep up with to catch up with Puebla as well. So I think this was, I hate to say, must win because, hey, they could have lost this and then one of the rest of their games this season maybe looked like an idiot. But it was more or less a must-win game for Morelia. And they got the win. And a massive reason for that was a performance of Carlos Felipe Rodriguez. Seven saves in total. In particular, he saved the penalty from Hobbit Bermudez. And the penalty wasn't great, to be honest, from Bermudez. And some will say, well, you know, um, anyone could have saved this. But I still think any keeper deserves credit for saving a penalty. And... He, he easily could have dived the other way. Bermudez, his aim, you saw he was, it was a stuttering run. His aim was to send the keeper the wrong way and then just slot it in easily. And 
Rodriguez didn't fall for this. He stayed on his feet, which is something I love from keepers at penalties. Because I think you see so many when they dive early and the, the, the taker sees them diving one way and just slots in the other, other corner. Nice and easy. So credit to Rodriguez for staying on his feet and had a very easy but enormous save in the end and gave Morelia the win and a massive win. And um, I'm, I'm going to... I have to. I was, I was resisting the urge that I'm going to have to give it a, a small mention to Chiapas right now because it was the most entertaining team performance I've ever seen from a team in Mexico. I think. I'm pretty sure. And I can't probably remember a few years back, and I didn't know as much about football when I started watching Liga Mieke, so I didn't have a full appreciation for what teams were doing. But I think this was still probably the best. It's certainly the most I've ever appreciated a team's performance. And I, I said this um, I said this to Cesar after Cesar was like, said something about how ridiculous Chiapas have been this season, you know, being Tigres and uh, Toluca in America, and then losing to was it Veracruz, I think, and um, Morelia. And... I said, you can't, you can't judge them like a team, like a normal team, in a way. And obviously, you kind of have to. But this, what they did on Sunday was, to me, it was art. It was unbelievably beautiful. It, it just left me, it was jaw-dropping. It really, it left me absolutely stunned with how they were playing. And they've played, I've, I've talked about this before, they've played this this uh, gorgeous style of football ever since Bueno took over, which is just relentless um, short pass and move game. And it's just flood the team with attacking players and just go, go out there, have fun, express yourself. There's little flicks and tricks. It's so good to watch. And... I hope they're going to get better, but I think we may look back and say that was their peak in terms of the beautiful football. And it sounds ridiculous because they lost the game, but they were just... Uh, I mean, they shouldn't have lost the game. They missed a whole host of chances. They missed that penalty. But I, I still can't get over it. They were just... Uh, beautiful. I, I, Beautiful is the only way I can put it. Absolutely stunningly beautiful. It was, to me, a work of art, and it's... One of the best, in terms of uh, uh, you know the aesthetics of it, the best performance. One of the best performances I've ever seen from a team ever. The, just the the level of short, quick, pass and move football was unbelievable, and I can't wait to watch them again because it's so much fun. Yeah. Okay. Chapas love over. Cool. Let's move on. Questions. Questions. Uh, hey, speaking of Cesar. First question comes from him. Most underrated player of the season? Oh, man, this is a good question. Uh, this is a good, great question for me because I love trying to highlight underrated players. You know, coming into the league as someone who doesn't have a histor historic background of the league, I don't have... I, I, wasn't, I didn't grow up watching it, and I'm, there's not many people... Um, I don't think, in the community that didn't grow up watching Liga Mekis. So I think there are some people that are new to the league, but most people kind of have that 
it comes from the parents or you know i watch it because i have mexican heritage or i am mexican i know i have quite a lot of followers who are i do actually live in mexico so for me you know something i discovered like four years ago now and so i don't have that historic bias maybe um it hasn't been drummed into me I mean, it has, but I've kind of avoided it a bit. But it hasn't been drummed into me from such a young age that, like, Chivas in America, and to a lesser extent, like, Cruz Azul and Pumas are the important teams in the league. And so people, and I'm, I'm not having a go, but just because you, most people were brought up with the league and this was all people talked about. And I know historically in the US before Univision, you could only watch Chivas America and you know, maybe a Pumas game. So you didn't get all the games on TV. And before the internet and stuff, like, you know, it was difficult to find out even scores and who played for what team and stuff like that. So I, I completely understand why there is this bias towards these are the teams that matter. It's the exact same thing in most countries. You know, in the, in England, it's you know Man U, obviously the the big team that they get all the news about them. So I've often tried to highlight some things that people don't talk about. You know, um, try and give some airtime or however you want to put it to some of the smaller teams, and hope that people are interested in that. And you know, that kind of makes me stand out a little bit because, hey, what. If I was going to write about Chivas every week, I'm going up against Tom Marshall's stuff. And why would people, you know, if people want to read two articles on Chivas, fantastic. If people want to read one, they're going to read Tom Marshall's stuff. He's at the game. You know, why would they read me watching on a TV screen when they can do something? They can read for someone who's at the game. Um, so yeah, I try and talk about some different stuff. I could talk for ages about underrated players. I think there's so many. Um, I could talk about like the whole Chiapas team again, but I'm not going to do that. Well, not the whole team, not the defence, the attacking part of the team. Most underrated player, um, I'm going to go for... I'm going to say Pablo Barrientos, because I think that... I think people appreciate that he's a good player, but I don't think people quite appreciate just how good he is, at least not yet. Maybe that's because it's Toluca and they don't get as much interest. Maybe that's because Toluca now have like Sambu who gets a lot of interest and you know obviously Uribe getting goals, people talk about him. Senior, because <laughs> he's senior and he deserves everything he gets. Um, I can't believe he joined them in 1999, that's just ridiculous. But yeah, I think Variantos is a cut above everyone else, that, everyone else in the Toluca team. Um, his his intelligence, his creativity is unbelievable and I think people should be talking about him as one of the top, top, top players in the league like top 10 players in the league to be honest um, and I don't think people are so I'm going to say Pablo Barrientos most underrated player of this season uh, next one comes from at Uvas de Portes who asks will Tigres pull it together and make Ligia. Uh, yeah, I think they will. Um, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird talking about this. Actually, I, I haven't even mentioned this, but 
no, I don't, neither of us mentioned this, but Raoul at the Colourful Kit and I recorded a normal Colourful Kit podcast last week when he had a, a day off work. But the sound got mucked up, which was really annoying. So, yeah, we weren't able to, to upload it. Um, but it, we, one of the things we talked about was Tigres and how weird it is seeing them bottom and well not bottom but sixteenth and what's going wrong why why they why things are going wrong and I think the main thing we we said was about the fatigue and the physical fatigue because they only had a two week break between the final and this season but also the mental fatigue to go through the kind of stresses and strains of Ligia to have the non-stop games that are do or die. If you don't win, you go home. And that's got to be so tough for you mentally. So to then get up, get you know, get yourself up for the next season, it's really difficult. And I think that's one of the big reasons why they're struggling. We saw the classic Paul Tigres performance on Saturday against Pachuca. Loads of possession, ridiculously slow, laboured, easy to defend against too slow just too slow simple as but this is Liga Mekis string a few wins together they'll be fine they're still only five points off Ligia I think a big big thing for them will be Vargas I expect him to start in the next game to be honest and this guy comes in as a player who hasn't started a game this season so I think the energy that he's going to bring to the side will be enormous I think he's going to be a big big lift for them and you know not only is he a class player but he's a rested player and he's he's ready he's he's up, he's going to be up for it I think new club chance to really prove himself to you know the quality he has and and, and seeing how Juniac's done chance to become a legend this is you know, Tigre is a club where amazing fan base you want to be a legend at that club and I think he's going to be huge. So I think a lot thanks to Vargas, Tigres and Michael Gear. And next question comes from at racer number seven, who asks, will La Volpe make it to the end of the season or lose our Clásico Nacional and it's out for him? I think if he loses the Clásico, he's probably going to go, to be honest. The question, as ever, though, is do America have anyone lined up? Because, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't do this because this is the nature of Liga Mekis, but it would be stupid to get rid of him and then just bring in some like recycled Liga Mekis manager. I don't see the point. I think the problems with America run a lot deeper than... La Volpe, as I've said before, I don't think they strengthened enough in the window. But, you know, could he be doing better? Yeah, maybe. He did get into a final, though, and I, I don't think that had the second-best team in, in uh, Liga Mekis. He came very close to winning the title. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing those fine lines in football that that late goal completely changed everything for him you know he would have so much more time and respect from America if if he, if that goal hadn't gone in and if they'd have won the league but the way things are going I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the season to be honest and if they lose 
the Classico. Yeah, I think he's going to go, to be honest. Um, a couple more to go. At Julia Seves asks, when's the last time you did something for the first time? Um, I, I never know whether you're serious about anything, to be honest. Uh, when's the last... See, this is a question where it depends, like, how significant the thing has to be because you're constantly doing things for the first time in a very very tiny way you know like this might be the first time this is the first time I've said this sentence at 11.58 in the morning on a Monday in the UK okay does that count <laughs> more significantly uh, last Tuesday I made mortar for the first time so there you go Laying, helping them lay some paving slabs and you know got the mix in the uh, mixer and yeah put it together made some water it was pretty good so I think that's more of an interesting one for you finally uh, at cycling and soccer becoming a good friend of the show asking questions every week which is fantastic Michael thank you very much um, Michael asks which surprise club will make the Ligia I hate making predictions man <laughs> <laughs> I really hate making predictions about Liga Mekis because I, I, I know I'm going to be wrong. I just know I'm going to be wrong. Uh, again, it depends on like how you define surprise. Would would Santos be a surprise? Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to make Liga. To be honest, uh, I'm going to say Crucesul, but just because logically. Surely they're good enough. They have the players. They have the manager. The ingredients are there. <laughs> but they are just an anomaly that seem... It seems to be almost... Almost un... Unanalyzable. That's not a word. <laughs> It seems like impossible to work out why, and perhaps this is because all the information isn't there for me. I'm using that excuse. I'm going to use this excuse a lot now, but you just can't quite work out why they haven't been better for a while. They've always got big budgets and great teams on paper, and they just don't perform. They've won five of their last twenty-nine Liga MX games. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, but I think that's I think they're good enough. I think they'll do it. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It shouldn't even be a surprise if they make it, but I guess it is because they haven't in so many years. I don't know. They can. <laughs> they, I I'm lost with Crucesul to be honest. I'm absolutely lost. And as much as I. I kind of hate it because it seems a bit illogical, but maybe maybe the kind of curse theory is true. Um, I'm not saying that they're actually cursed, but perhaps there's a culture within the club where because they haven't had success for so long, there's no confidence, perhaps, or there's no belief there isn't a, a winning mentality. Perhaps there's a negative vibe around the club that hasn't been able to change for a while, and that's why they're struggling. Or maybe they're, you know, 
signing the wrong players. Um, lots of players have come in with, with big names like Victor Vasquez and Fernando Belushi, now like Angel Mena, uh, Caterucho. They're not, they haven't performed. Um, Mena did score a good goal on the weekend, but most of them, big players they've brought in, you know, Roque Santa Cruz, most of them just haven't performed. And why that is, maybe it's the recruitment's wrong. Maybe they're getting players to their names and not thinking how they're going to fit into the squad. Or maybe they're keeping poor defensive players. Maybe Corona's not that good. I don't know. Cata Dominguez has been there for ages. Is he good enough? Is he a top league Mickey's defender? Or was he in his prime just made to look good because he was playing alongside Massa? Maybe. Maybe. Um, all speculations. Can't give you a definitive answer for Cruz Azul. <laughs> but, yeah. But they, they still got a good chance of making the gear. As does everyone, to be honest. Except for Puebla. If Puebla made the gear, I'll be stunned. Their team's not very good. <laughs> Alright, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of the Colourful Kick Podcast Extra. I certainly enjoyed making it and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week. Um, it's Classico week, remember guys? Classico Nacional. So, hope you guys are getting excited for that one.